Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there and welcome to the Times Business Podcast where we look ahead to what's likely to be making news and shaping markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This time, that means the first spring break, it's upon us and what used to be called the official start of the house buying season. And if we're talking about spring, then it's time to look ahead to the next quarter and what sort of market experience you can expect. And finally, there's every chance you'll either be doing this or this. Well, as you can see, no expense spared there by the Special Effects Department. Welcome to you all to guide us through the maze this week. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, our regular and economics editor, Deirdre Hipwell, our retail correspondent, and Alex Ralph, the Times Markets reporter. Welcome to you all. Philip, let me just start with you. We, we mentioned there that people often say, don't they, that you can view a house, go back for a second viewing. Nowadays, you can talk to your mortgage provider and perhaps have a, a house sale or purchase um, stitched up over the weekend. What's the sort of backdrop we're looking at this weekend? Should people feel confident? Do you think they want to be out there buying? Have they got sufficient funds? The house prices have been rising at sort of record, near record levels. Um, they're up 40% since 2007. Uh, interest rates are very low and look like they're not going anywhere for some time uh, yet. So these conditions would normally be seen as relatively uh, good times to uh, buy a property. The question which everyone has to ask themselves is whether prices have run away with themselves. And, you know, certainly in um, London, there's suggestions that prices are, have overheated. Other parts of the country, um, not, so, not so much, certainly not anything like as much. And then there is questions about household debt levels, which have begun to rise again from already high, relatively high levels. So currently, house prices are rising at more, at sort of five times the rate of earnings, which I would suggest, I think most people would suggest, is, is a sort of unsustainable rate of increase. So there, I, I, I wouldn't be overly bullish about uh, about jumping on the ladder now, but you know, people have said that consistently for the last two decades and they've been wrong. And of course the, the, the obsession of the moment, very topical of course, is the buy-to-let market. Presumably that is, looking at the economic picture, does that distort the market in some way and make it unreal for people who are buying outside of that area? Well there, there has been a distorting impact from the changes uh, to stamp duty on buy-to-let or second homes rather. So from April anyone who is buying a second home is going to have to pay a 3% surcharge on the standard rate of uh, stamp duty. So 
people have been trying to get in before this deadline predictably and so you have seen mortgage approvals shooting up you have seen prices shooting up as a result so you could get you could get a sort of post april slump as all the all the demand was brought forward to before the tax changes came into effect and then it, it'll it'll tail off afterwards there, there could be a there could be a, a few months where it looks pretty weak alex ralph bringing you in here looking at it in stock market terms obviously the house builders we've heard from bell we're hearing from a lot of them at the moment as a sector do you still see some upside in it or as philip said has have they priced in the fact that come april there is this distorting factor and it will affect share prices yeah i mean house prices have been housing stocks have been one of the best performing uh, sectors for some time they've outperformed the market by a long way but recently yeah they have started to come off the ball and people are starting to price in yes the impact of the stamp duty but also of brexit particularly with regards to the upper end of the market in, in london Deirdre, if I could just bring you in here for a moment. Consumer sentiment obviously plays a huge part in this. Are you hearing, looking aside, just in general, consumers, do they seem fairly buoyant and confident? Or are the latest polls telling us they're a bit worried? I think it's a mixed picture. Um, I think the overriding view would be that people are still a bit worried. Um, We've had Simon Wolfson of Next this week saying that they were concerned about consumer spending. He is famously bearish, but he did. He was one of the few business people to predictly, uh, correctly predict the economic crisis. And his view is that um, there has certainly been a slowdown in spending in the clothing sector and that more spending is going towards other sectors such as restaurants, leisure, holidays. So I think people are spending, but they're being a lot more selective about where they're spending. And I think that is impacting some retailers more than others. Philip, we've seen uh, over in the United States, just bringing them in there for the moment, this sort of almost divergence before you've talked about well, where uh, where the Fed starts, the, the Bank of England will follow. This, what we have heard since we last talked, of course, is that the US Federal Reserve has hinted that there'll be two cuts instead of four. Does that mean when you two say... Ri- two rises instead of... Four. Sorry, two... Yeah. Well, there we are. I nearly got... I should set economic policy. I may be right after <laughs> all. Do you think then that the Bank of England's outlook will change because of that? Or is there a decoupling between the Bank of England and the Fed now? I think that the Bank of England would say that there never was a coupling in the first place. Um, but what's what's happened since the Fed raised uh, rates back in December uh, is, is that the is the global economy has slowed somewhat. Um, a lot of other central banks, Bank of Japan, ECB, um, have uh, have actually pumped stimulus into uh, the system, uh, and the markets and and we've obviously got this Brexit referendum, which is, I mean, clearly nothing's going to happen until after that. But markets are not forecasting an interest rate rise until 2019 in the UK at the moment. I think it's it's it may even be uh, over over egging uh, the pudding to think that the US are going to raise rates two more times this year. So we could easily see a, a recoupling, as it were, as all banks go back, all central banks across the world just go back to you know either standing still or doing a little bit more stimulus. Okay, well we'll take a break there. Thanks for that. But coming up, we'll ask what to look out for with your investments. Very important that. And can we really shop our way out of trouble? The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. 
OK, well, welcome back. Uh, Alex Ralph, if I can start with you again this time. Looking at the stock markets, of course, Philip's outlined some of the, the, the issues and there is a, the, the, the terrible terror attacks that we've seen and the way that weighs on sentiment in the market. I mean, given that, what do you expect? It's almost the end of the first quarter that we will see looking into the second quarter for people who are looking for their portfolios, pensions or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, sort of the reactions of this week from the attacks in Brussels was how muted the response was on the markets generally. Inevitably, the transport and leisure sectors, those shares were sold off immediately afterwards, but they made a swift recovery. And it left analysts remarking on how the markets are sort of taking these more frequent terrorist attacks in their stride. I know, it's, it's, it, and it isn't for want of, 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 of emotion and, and people feeling obviously terrible about it, but in the second quarter, what we've seen in the first quarter in market terms is the fact that they've gone virtually nowhere. They've been up, they've been down, well, mostly they've been down, haven't they? Do you expect more of the same? Yeah, the FTSEs, as lots of um, global stock markets had, is one of the toughest starts of the year on record. It has recovered from those lows in February. It's recovered about a 1,000 points, but it's still well off where it was last April. And, it's, it's, I mean, as long as China continues to stabilise and um, central banks continue to offer support, then perhaps the markets could recover. China has, Philip, showed that it is willing to play its part, hasn't it? If, if, if stimulus is needed or tweaks to, 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 to support the economy over there, they have shown readiness to act, and which in a way supports other global stock markets, doesn't it? Yeah, the concern actually with China is that they they do too much. They re, they revert back to sort of the, the twenty ten injection of trillions of one into the economy, which uh, which was which went on too much residential building, um, too much industrial capacity uh, being built. Which they they have they have a sort of a glut. They have an oversupply of in, investment capacity, so they can uh, flood the world with steel, such such as they have been doing and causing uh, problems abroad. And and the and the last thing you want to see actually from China is for them to revert back to this this kind of investment spending um, rather than trying to reorientate their economy towards uh, consumption so and it takes it's a lot harder it takes it takes a lot longer to do that and so you, you have to start building a benefit system you have to start putting safety nets in place and and get people to start spending money because they feel confident enough to do it that way but it, it isn't the, the the quick impact that you get from just a straightforward capital investment from the government did it Consumer, I mean, retailers, the, the, the people that you, the companies you look at, obviously very much affected, especially at the luxury and Burberry and others I'm thinking of here. But, you know, closer to home, we've, we've had next year alluded there to, 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 to what Simon Wolfson said. But, I mean, people perhaps aren't spending as much or are they just spending it in different places? What is the picture? Yeah, well, it's been really tough for retailers. I mean, they are quite prone to complaining about their lot. But if you look at the last... Uh, four months from before Christmas. It was a very unseasonably warm Christmas, so retailers that were trying to shift all their winter wear didn't do so well. Then they had a good January, although some had to discount quite heavily to get rid of stock. And then February's been quite good, and now they'll be really hoping for a good Easter, which is obviously falling early this year. So your retailers who are selling, obviously, foodstuffs, Easter eggs and clothing because obviously people go shopping on, on the bank holidays but also your DIY retailers and your gardening retailers so I think they'll be hoping for a boost in March because it has been a really difficult start to the year for most retailers and and again 
uh, Simon Wolfson, and, and, and next is often considered a bellwether for the state of the high street, said that, in his opinion, at the moment, it, it felt like walking up a down escalator, and he said that he felt this could be the toughest year since 2008. So that does show that there's some quite worrying times ahead, and also there's the whole shift to online because people are still selling more online. So it might be that spending is shifting more towards retailers who are either online or are better able to offer a different way of shopping that the way people want to shop now because not everybody just wants to go to the store and, and pick up their products. Well, that's what we were saying about the special effects at the beginning. One, obviously, was the cash till and the other was fingers on a keyboard. No marks. Sorry, Philip, no prizes for guessing that one. It was a <laughs> bit of an obvious one to use. But the fact that there has been the shift, I suppose, Alex, if I could bring you in there also, isn't there the, the idea that transport, there's, this isn't just ordering something, as you said, online. It then has to be physically packed up into somewhere and then put into a van and loaded and delivered. So there are other sectors that perhaps benefit, even if the high street stores aren't seeing as much footfall. Yeah, I mean, the logistics companies would be would be obviously the forefront of that. But I mean, I mean, certainly, I think that people do remark that um, people now spend their disposable income more on experience than they do on, you know, tangible goods. That seems to be in a shift in generations. I think it's also why you've seen with particularly new shopping centres just how much the food offer has expanded and it's all about getting people to dwell more um, because people now go to shopping centres to eat. There's, If you look at Westfield London, they have Kidzania, which is this huge miniature world for children to play at and I think that's part of the reality that particularly shopping centre owners are aware of, that people no longer just want to go and shop at M&S, for example. They want a whole experience. The holidays are a bit of a poison chalice for the retail sector, aren't they? So you have the Christmas holidays and it's a real make-or-break time because you get a you know, list of horrific profit warnings if things are not great. Is, is Easter at all like that? Um, Easter is, is, is probably less less problematic than Christmas because, of course, Christmas in the last two years has been even more difficult for retailers because of the emergence of Black Friday, that kind of hideous concept from the US where you have to splash huge amounts of money in a 24-hour period buying stuff that you probably don't need and will probably be thrown away in a year or two time. Um, but I think Easter is less less dependent on that but of course again it's the balancing act that retailers have to do how much do they um, what do they put on promotion how much do they promote and obviously they they want people spending because they're particularly easter monday it is a big shopping day i was going to ask you finally while we've got you Deirdre, this week i'm um, talking about one retailer at sports direct i mean you broke a story having talked to gotten an interview with mike ashley in which he said uh, well most people took it as a profit warning um, even if he didn't mean it as such i just wondered though from your point of view looking back over time and philip you can probably remember i mean entrepreneurs certain of them sir richard branson springs to mind uh, as one of them, alan sugar is another they had these companies they went to the stock market and they if I say they did what they wanted to do, they ran the company in a particular way. And the stock market was almost like the establishment. We don't like the way they behave, but as long as they made money, they're OK. Do you think the moment has come when Mike Ashley might have actually taken on too much? And they're saying, well, you may be very good uh, at doing your job, but we don't like the way you're doing it. And it's not it's not having a good effect on the business now. Well, I think the city has always had a problem with how Sports Direct communicates because for a long time, quite frankly, they didn't. I think this is probably one of the last time Mike Ashley even spoke to media um, at Shirebrook was, I think, about 2007, 2008. And he's probably feeling it wasn't worthwhile doing. Again, I think the problem for entrepreneur-type figures is that 
um, the city is prepared to tolerate a bit of eccentricness or disdain towards the city as long as your figures are excellent and they're making pots of money out of you. And I think the problem is that the city is maybe getting a bit concerned that Sports Direct's momentum is starting to slow and that JJB Sports, for example, is starting to eat some of their market share. So I think that that is the the issue there. But you know, personally, I think it's a shame because I think um, I think it's good when CEOs are frank like this, or he's deputy executive chairman, sorry, which is his official title. But I think I think CEOs should speak out more and they should speak their minds. And I think sometimes the city likes this nuanced management speak, which doesn't really get to the bare bones of what's happening in a business. So I think more of it, quite frankly. Alex, and of course, the irony of the interview of Mike Ashley this week was that the last time I think he did a major set piece interview with a newspaper was the Sunday Times some time ago when he famously called the city a bunch of crybabies so um, he obviously didn't learn from his mistake. Well I think we can say in his favour he likes to speak to the Times so that's always a plus. Well thank you all that's just about it for now but remember you can follow all the business news and uh, you can read Deirdre's uh, stories if you haven't done so already they're online and uh, you can keep up to date with all our business news online and wherever you are on your tablet. If you're a Times subscriber you can of course get our daily morning and lunchtime emails there's a subscription uh, special offer there one pound you'll find it at thetimes.co.uk and if you want to hear us weekly you can subscribe through itunes my thanks to philip aldrich didra hipwell and alex ralph they're on twitter so please do follow them we'll be back next week so thank you for listening and remember this is also a herald of spring thank you for downloading to discover more head to thetimes.co.uk the Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.